Hey guys, how are you? <laughs> Welcome to your aunties could never. I'm Auntie AK and I'm here with Auntie Farah, Auntie Nana, and Auntie Shade. Hi guys, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of us are better than others. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That was like a put laboured. Mm, you're all right. I had to think about it. No, like I, like I said, some of us are better than others. Oh, mm. uh, yeah, it's true. Mm, you know, yeah, some of us are sunning themselves. <laughs> Santorini. Some of us are jealous. Extremely <laughs> <laughs> jealous. Okay, so I just wanted to quickly mention who I'm welcoming into the family. I think I'd class her as a second mum. This lovely lady called Tanqueray. I don't know if any of you guys follow Humans of New York. Yes. Yes. So she's a 76-year-old African-American woman who has had a wonderfully amazing, rich, story-filled life. She came from like hard knocks back in the day. And then during the heydays of the I think 50s or 40s or something like that, she was like a um, burlesque dancer. And... She just had, she's just one of those people that's got stories, got stories like James Brown, The Temptations, Mobsters, Gangsters. And she just came up with like a real hard knock survival story. And she happened to bump into the guy that um, runs Humans of New York, which is a page that just talks about Humans of New York. And it's just, it's a blog page on Facebook and it's just blown up. It's got an Instagram page as well. And he bumped into her. Um, I think she said something about his shorts or something. He said, why, why, why do white men like to wear shorts? And they just started <laughs> And they started talking. And then he started hearing about her life. And she had all these rich stories. And he was like, he start, she started to do a blog for them, I think. And then she fell onto hard times and got ill. And they set up a GoFundMe. And he's re- they've released 32 accounts, like a, a life story in 32 po- Instagram posts on their account. And it's just, I, it's just a wonderful story. And she's, they've raised managed to raise like one point something million for me. So, Last time I checked, it's on 1.3 million. There you go. So like wow. she's 76 years old and she's ill. Um, but her last couple of years, she's, I'm sure she's going to live a very nice, rich and fruitful life. And she said she's going to donate the rest when she passes to um, this American foundation that looks after kids, abandoned children. So she's definitely someone I'd like to welcome into the auntie's family as a, a mum's, I think. So yeah, shout out, big up, um, Tanqueray. So guys, tell me, what have you heard? So I would like to talk about, or I'd like to say what I've heard, and that is uh, President Trump (laughs) and his tax bill, or lack thereof. What are your thoughts? Are you surprised? Is it fake news? <laughs> I was trying to find a conservative account because it was in the New York Times and you know they have a hate hate relationship with Trump. So I wanted to see if there was a medium wave that I could find and there wasn't, which probably means that it absolutely is true. And this dude has paid far less taxes than even the 0.1% that he's in. So he's been paying less than them and just scamming the country and then even when he did pay taxes he then got a rebate on that so he has taken money out of the system on top of when he was given a few million like it's just but is this going to do anything not really i still think people are going to big up trump regardless but he's a thief there's another way of putting it he's a fraud and a thief 
are we surprised? I mean, this is why he's been hiding them all this time, is because he knows he's a fraud at the end of the day, in the, in the biggest sense of the word. I read one thing where actually the only places where he actually does make money is from The Apprentice and also his um, merchandise. Do you know what I mean? So you're not like a great business manager. You're a privileged man who's been able to create a brand that can, you know, makes a certain amount of money. But the fact that you, and not just you alone, like your family, the people you employ, everyone for years has just been frauding the country that they, you know, that they want to make so great. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you want to make it so great that you're, you're basically looting it <laughs> as well at the same time. It's crazy. I mean, the other thing is the systems are set up in order for him to be able to do this. So I don't know actually if anything at the moment that he's done is criminal. It's unethical, but we don't know absolutely if it's criminal yet. Um, So that's what I think they're going to investigate. He's been given these loans. These loans are going to be, they need to pay them back in the next couple of years. We see how that pans out. I mean, he might be dictator of the world by that point in time so you know (laughs) don't put that energy out there let's not put that energy out there (laughs) oh mate so yeah i i I, i'm not surprised in the slightest at all and i saw a chart as well just lastly is that that obama actually against all the like recent american presidents obama actually paid the most amount of tax so it's just diabolical but i'm not surprised um, also not surprised uh, and also kind of skeptical, skeptical about what will happen in this thing because if this has been long said about him avoiding avoiding his taxes I mean for a president to get into office and still not follow by the rules already we've shown that democracy is a myth in the west um, they can no longer talk about African dictators at all ever I don't want to take that ever again <laughs> I don't say nothing if I hear it I'm going to cast if I'm going to TV show, news show, anything talking. If anyone says African dictators or third world countries, I'm going to go off on them because there's no longer, no one can say that with their chest anymore. But I also, you know, there's also this other stuff coming out about how the, in 2016, how they use Cambridge Analytica to basically suppress black voters from voting in the campaign again, like they assumed that black voters were going to vote for Hillary in the majority. And so because they were so feared the black vote, then... Uh, Trump's team really used that horrible organization Cambridge Analytica to do targeted Facebook ads to black um, voters and it's in the realms of like saying like really pumping things about against Hillary and things like that and Channel 4 did an expose on them I think last night and it was interesting how it's just talking going off on a tangent about how people think we're not susceptible to advertising how we think we're too smart to be affected however everything in this world is targeted at us and we're not exempt and it doesn't mean you're stupid but it's just so interesting like some of the people they spoke to the African Americans that they spoke to were like nah that's that I would never be affected by voting but it showed significant that uh, 20% drops in most areas where there were black folks who turned out in in higher numbers to vote from Obama the previous election times 20% drops pretty much from state to state based on the Cambridge Analytica program so I don't know if you guys have watched The Great Hack there's Social Dilemma there's a bunch of documentaries that talk about this and how we're being controlled but how Trump has used this to his advantage and he's been the poster child for manipulating social media for his gain and to talk to his basal core audience um, to success but now i just don't know if the chips will fall righteously he needs to fall he, this tax return shit is terrible ivanka i can't i really his daughter i, <laughs> I cannot stand her 
with all of my fibers and she's the favorite promoter of motherhood, womanhood, sisterhood, but she's just a fraudulent fraud star who's just, you know, was it they said that she, he employed her as a consultant and then she yeah. was attacked. All this dodgy. And the thing is, my thing is like, is it that they're so stupid or is it that they're so arrogant that they think we can get away with this? Is this, is this peak white privilege? I don't know because I, I, I know that I know rich people embezzle and hide and move their money about that. You, they do that. But why would you be so bait with it? I just want to understand. I just don't understand that. That's the only thing that's like, is this because they thought they could get away with it? Will they get away with it? Or are they just dumb? Like one. So I don't think that they're dumb. I think they're very, very smart. Mm. These types of rich people find these tax loopholes all the time it's just interesting that you think that in 2016 when he i've got statements here of what he's paid and what he hasn't paid so in 2016 when he won the presidency he paid 750 pounds sorry dollars 750 dollars the following year he paid another 750 dollars <laughs> um 15 years prior to that he paid only a hundred thousand a year now this is a man who's like a multi-millionaire Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. And like you all said, he claimed a bunch of stuff back and it's just, he's just very, very clever. I don't think that he's dumb. I don't think that he's like, oh, I hope I don't get fined out. He ha- I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he hoped that it wouldn't come out because he doesn't want to have to face the negative press about it and people asking questions, especially not this close to an election. But I don't think he cares because he knows. People have been saying, oh, he is, he's going to, they're going to get him for tax evasion. They're not going to get him for tax evasion because he's been very, very clever. The man has made money off the backs of poor people for decades. It, it, this is no different. He, very, he knows how to outsmart the system. He's very clever in that respect. Um, one of the things that I read, it said that he's paid more money in foreign countries than he has in America. In Panama, he paid 15, nearly 16,000. In India, he paid 145,000. In the Philippines, he paid 156000 But this is the man that says America first. <laughs> People shouldn't be surprised. He's a businessman. That's what it is. He's a businessman. And it's all about money. We have a, um, a message from Nigel Mark. And he said it's standard practice. Again, immoral, but not illegal. And it is that. It is, it is thoroughly immoral. That you've paid less tax than the person working in a, in a laundrette. And that's okay. I was um, listening to a podcast about California and how there's very few green spaces in California. They have like two parks. And all of the green spaces are private golf courses because they have a tax system where basically they're not paying tax. Mm. And you can just pass on your shares to your children. So for time immemorial, you just have your membership go down to your kids and they use that as a tax loophole as well. And this is like 200 years that... The country is bound, it's their playground, really. And we're just the poles in it, I guess. But this is normal for them. It's not just in America. You've got to think about all the stuff where people were sending um, in, in the UK. We had very high profile artists and actors and comedians and politicians who were, you know, keeping their taxes abroad. And the yeah. system was set up by, I think it was, wasn't it, David Cameron's dad? set up one of the systems and he was like one of the biggest benefactors from it but yet for all these are the same people that want to do you if you claim benefits and work you know you get it you get a little cash in hand job to help you pay your bills and you get your rent paid but you go to jail 
and they're okay. Yeah. So the system's flawed. The British are the ones yeah. that actually came up with this whole bankrupt, bankrupt yeah. banking system. They're the ones that funnel money around the world. That's why they're able to be bullies as well. Yeah. But this small island that you've gone around and created an empire is purely because they were like the financial institution of yeah. funneling money. It's debt management, isn't it? That's, that's basically... <laughs> Definitely. Debt management. That's a wicked way of putting it. But I do think, I do think that the insult is just like what he's able to kind of like pass off as like make deductible like you know his hairstylist his hairstylist dollars a year and the thing is it will be nice if it looked good but it doesn't do you know what i mean like i can't see where that money's gone to be honest someone's taking him for a ride there he's like the emperor that's been my sign off for the whole of my life. This whole world that we live in, Emperor's New Clothes. Every system we're under is a lie. Money yeah. itself is a lie. The yeah. whole system is a lie. And I think I've said it before that I felt like Trump doesn't really want this presidency. And I saw in articles and stuff that they're saying that he took on the presidency to probably, as Auntie Charlie put it, debt management. He thought, yeah, yeah I'll be like, I can chill. I won't have to worry about my, my stuff because I'm president, so I'm good. And he's trying to say that, you know, I've not paid, I've forfeited my wages. But you're making money in other ways. Your business is still turning and you're not supposed to be making money as a president. But yet you still got your daughters out there making deals and stuff under the guise. It's just so corrupt. I, I dare, I dare him to talk about it. <laughs> I dare him. Oh, my Listen, God. They're advertising Goya seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying in our faces. <laughs> And, but the, and it's, it's just so interesting how, again, as always, the Trump supporters who, it's like they walk in fudge. It's like the whole existence is in fudge. They don't hear anything. They just see Trump is our savior and they will just find a way to back him. So if you go down the social media rabbit hole and see what people are saying, like, oh, but then what about Hunter Biden and his, ta he's not, it's not an excuse. However, he's not the president. So at the moment, your argument is, is unnecessary. Forget that. So and he's paid his taxes. Well, there you go. It just popped into my head the reparations that he's kind of coming with for Black America, to, for African Americans. Like he's saying he'll put, was it five hundred million that, that he's that he's going to pump into like the most deprived communities, like trying to kind of get the Black vote back. Um, statistically, I was seeing that they believe that Black men. So you know, last time it was white women that seemed to tip him over the edge. They're like. Um, Black men may be the ones to actually win him this election. So that, that's why he's come with this package. But then also I've noticed that quite a few prominent black men, and I swear they can't be this stupid, especially like Dr. Boyce Watkins, is now being like, hey, look at what Trump's doing. Like literally oh. being an agent. Like <sighs> properly being an agent. Like look at what Trump is offering. What is Biden offering? It's like, okay, so you've been paid. There's a few of them. Like, turning, like now Trump could be the the savior of the black people and it's like no nah, you've been paid to do this this is, is like this not like the wall the promise of the wall it's just yeah. where's this wall it's the same thing if they <laughs> believe that he's going to do it let them walk down to the wall touch it with their hands and then do what they want to do but he ain't doing shit he's saying this in order to get the vote and anyone that doesn't understand that well they should do one anyway as far as I'm concerned I do think that um, Joe Biden needs to do better. Yes. So if, if this makes him 
rethink and it challenges him, then yeah, that's a good thing, definitely. I think he needs to, you know, he needs, or oh, what does Trump always say, the art of the deal? He needs to, you know, <laughs> he needs to do a bloody better deal. Like, I think, and I think Joe Biden could, he could potentially do that. But I don't know. They've got their heads to heads in a minute. Like they're gonna have yeah, their- next week. Yeah. Is it next week or is it this week? So it's coming. I thought it was this week, but it's coming. Yeah. Whatever case is, that would be very interesting. I just don't like this shit, this back and forth and this posturing and all these lies and manipulation because both sides probably use manipulation tactics. And when you've got this Cambridge Analytica stuff, okay, question for you guys before we wrap up. How would you really execute real democracy without using all the trickery? Just how would, what would be your ideal way for politicians to campaign in this time because obviously we've got all these things like social media and all those type of stuff but how would you run a clean a clean campaign it's impossible until you take the money out yeah you have to take the money out of politics you have to be it has to be a situation where like everything is super transparent but everyone who plays ball and it's not negotiable so if someone doesn't like trump you didn't show his taxes, then you're not on the ticket anymore. It has to be that. It can't, there cannot be allowances or conditions. It has to be very, very, very rigid. Otherwise, I think it's impossible. That's the factor. People get, like, even like you're saying, like this pundit that's endorsed Trump or saying, look at what he's saying. There's probably a check behind that. And if there is, it's almost like, like on Instagram, when you, you're working with a company, you need to say something. For real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to say hashtag ad. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like how much you've been paid for it? I think it's all about the money. If you get the money out, then we're, we're in a better system. Not to say it wouldn't still be corrupt, because there's nepotism, all that kind of stuff as well that goes with everyone there. So yeah, take the money out first. You shouldn't be able to pay for social media posts in any way. Exactly. Um, that needs to go because they they have the data now to show how much that sways an election into who's voting, if they're going to vote, and who they're voting for. So on three different... It's just... We're so easily manipulated because there's so much media. I think that needs to go. Like, maybe even just removing politics from social media. Like, actually, they're not allowed to be on Twitter and Facebook, and you're not there. We watch you on Parliament. Yeah, Yeah, me too. In the Senate, like, they're not allowed to voice their opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think, that's I, think, I think that's a good idea. I've, I think you can't do it on Twitter, but you can still do it on Facebook and Instagram. And then you see who benefits from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my story is about Brianna Taylor and the verdict that came in uh, with the police officers essentially not being charged for her murder. I think one of them was charged with wanton endangerment, where he shot three times of one of the neighbours and hit one of the neighbours' homes. Just so happens that neighbour was a white neighbour. Basically, Breonna Taylor's death has been top of mind for a number of months now. I don't think anyone's really surprised that no one was really charged here, which is, you know, it's just really disappointing. I guess my question is, David, I'm sorry, Daniel Cameron, who's the Attorney General, who's, you know, pushing the case forward for the opposition. And um, for me, it's coonery at its finest. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it, it's almost like textbook. And I just, I wonder what, what can black people do to out this kind of coonery, to get it out of our community, our systems? Um, how, can, how can we shut this down? How can we shut things like this down? Auntie Farah, 
God. If we knew that, there would have been less slaves shipped across the flipping ocean. I don't know. I mean, Tamika Maru, she made a speech off the back of um, what came out. And it was so fantastic what she said about him. You know, like, we don't want you. You don't represent us. Bye-bye now. Because the idea that they can charge the officer for a bullet entering a white neighbor's house, but not entering the black neighbor's house or for killing Brianna is just, it's ridiculous. And, and people that are saying that, yeah, well, the family have been compensated now. There's no compensation for someone's loss of life. Okay. Additionally, they didn't even get the compensation that somebody like a white person had their family had got in the same in a similar sort of scenario so they haven't even received enough of that and in terms of getting rid of this coonery i just don't know how we do it you just i don't know how we do it because there's people their their heads are so far up the asses of the white people that they really want to be let's face it they're not happy with they have an identity crisis they are not happy with within their own selves that they're they're trying their best to represent the other and that's not us. So I, I just don't know how we get rid of those people. The only thing I do know that we have to do is call them out whenever we see it and call them out as loudly as possible so that they feel ashamed and anyone that's associated with them feels equally ashamed. That's the only thing that I think we can do. And we have to do it not in an ignorant way, but in the way that, that Tamika did it in the most eloquently beautiful way. She just put it in a sense that it, it, you'd have to be an idiot not to understand what she meant. You know, you're not for us. You know you're not for us. You're not for your own people. So we don't need you. Not, we're not standing for it. And that's just all we have to do. We can't get rid of them, unfortunately. I have so many thoughts on it, but it kind of links into my story anyway. But for him, I wish, even if you agree with these things, like literally like you're like, no, what I'm doing is the right thing. I'm following the law and the blah, blah. I would hope that more people, when you're black, just you know that the optics... You know that you're being hung out to dry when they put you forward and they just said no. Like I would prefer, even if you agree with it, but you're, you were just really super aware of the optics that I'm only being given this role because I'm black and this is a black case. And then you say no. But I guess the whole mentality is that you're a Sambo, so you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, th there's nothing you can do about this. They've been around forever and they yeah. will be there, but they don't deserve the title of black. Like they don't deserve... African, they don't deserve any of that. We've had to deal with these people the whole generations and generations. So how we get rid of them, I and I don't even think they feel shame because they're so firmly no. ensconced in their beliefs. They don't feel shame. They don't, you call them out, they're like, well, there you go, angry black person. And that's why I'm not <laughs> in your camp because I'm the proper Negro. I'm the one that's, you know, well-behaved and I'm eloquent and I wear shirts and I've got a lovely 2.4 pretty family. Yeah, I don't know how you get rid of them because I just don't know what, what their kryptonite is. What would, I think we, Auntie Charlie says it, problematic black men with platforms, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and, and a lot of the time, we, even though we do have the Candices and other people, and we've got a few rising black um, far right aligning um, influencers that are coming up now. I can't, there's one girl, I can't remember her name, I was going to talk about her as well. She's from the UK and she's starting to be all conservative and starting. I, it's just this desperation to be, I, I don't know if they recognise it as desperation, but this desperation to survive by any means necessary. 
So by denying their blackness or aligning with whiteness, they feel that they'll be safe. But I just don't understand why time and time again, they are always hung out to dry. Look at Diamond and Silk. You guys got dropped from Fox the minute you made one mistake. And you have all these other pundits that are still being employed by Fox. They say things, they say outrageous things, unless it's too extreme where they can't hide behind it. These people are still pundits on this show. But yet you guys made one stupid comment and then now you lot are off the show. And then you're standing there because they camped and rode for Trump. Diamond and Silk shucking and jiving for Trump. And now where are you? And you lot were confident calling out black folks and everything. Again, it's about money. Money, money, money will always keep people acting this foolish way. Like you even had Charles Barkley and Shaq trying to do the, I'm an informed black person. Let's look at all sides of it. They came out and said, well, Brianna's um, boyfriend shot first, but you know, he had a legal gun license. He was legally carrying his weapon. I and if you don't hear someone there. shooting at your door, if you don't hear someone who's shooting at your door, whatever case, and you feel under threat, you have every right to shoot. So why the frick are you even saying that, well, he shot first, what are the police supposed to do? Shut up, Charles and Shaq, shut up. Don't do that. Don't do that. I don't have any answers because we've been dealing with these kind of people for years and years and generations. It's finding out what they really, what really upsets them and it's probably taking away something, one of their white toys, because then... <laughs> Um, then they're going to be like, oh, I can't get close to whiteness. Okay, 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 okay. So you have to find a way to take away their white proximity, put them in a bloody hood, and maybe then they'll be scared and shut the fuck up. <laughs> if you're in those situations, you kind of need to recognise what it is, as you're saying, and like, and recruit yourself. I think you need to kind of like step step away from it, really. It just highlights the fact that I think that is a, a myth out there that black people can't be anti-black and they really can do you know what I mean I think there is this whole you know okay if that black person is saying that then it's the truth because they're black and you know they should have some sort of uh, they know about their community but no they can be anti-black too and I think ultimately it's about power and I do think it's about power and survival and you know trying to stay relevant in this ever oppressing world in some senses I do understand that Obviously don't agree with it, but I do understand that. But I think, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, Auntie AK. I think shit them, man. I think go and do a stint in the village and then <laughs> get to know yourself properly. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think, like, it, they're just in such a bubble where, you know, it's very easy to, especially if you're from a privileged background, no matter what race you're from, to kind of like only deal with certain people, only have one sort of opinion and go through life like that, it's very easy to do that. And it's very easy to kind of switch off from any other outside input. So if you're unfortunately like, you know, this man who's in this bubble and now given this platform to do this thing, it's like, ultimately he's on the wrong side of history for this one, man. And that's gonna be his legacy, you know? And it's disheartening, it's, it's disgraceful, it's like, it makes you feel sick inside. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That that's someone that's from, you know, ultimately from our community. So yeah, I think ship them, ship them and... Uh... You, you guys remember trading places, right? Oh yeah. Ship yeah, them yeah, is yeah. not good enough. Yeah. Because they can always try to go back. What needs to happen is he needs, the, these people need to be stripped of all of their semi-white privilege. That's what because that's what they've got. Yeah. They've got semi-white privilege. They need to be stripped off of that. Then they need to land in the dump and try to make their way up, but no one should help them while they're there. The thing is, they, they also know, they know, you know when people know, they know what the situation is, but they're just refusing to 
because even as Antiochus said, and as you guys are saying, it's like I understand the fear because I think black. I think I don't. I think even the richest, most successful black person still is a bit like this could go yeah. tomorrow. Do you understand? Cool. So it's like, <laughs> They, I understand that fear because the way these people move, they all shut us down for less. Do you understand? So imagine us not paying. Imagine, imagine Obama being in Trump's situation. Imagine. It wouldn't even, he wouldn't even got into office. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, I really do understand the fear, but it's the fact that we're four black women who have been through some fucking shit, but yet we're not compromising in this way. And like, we don't, I don't understand why it's, I don't, I don't understand why it's so easy to sell out. I don't understand why it's so easy to sell out. I don't even think it's an easy life. I don't believe that even if you like, you know, Daniel and his, I don't even know what to call his, his wife, sorry. And I don't know what you feel like when you're in that situation and you're surrounded by all this white fellows going, ha, oh, guffawing and like you're pretending that you're in this place and you're comfortable. You're not, like you, you must, get, there's a point in his bed when he's sleeping, he's like, oh my God, what <laughs> Just for the sake, you know, like, sorry, you know like what Sideman was saying when again, when, Guys will be like, they'll sleep with you regardless of what they're thinking. So you're going to weather this storm. I don't know. I, I don't have words, but it's just, it's the, as you said, it's, it's, it's sickening. Don't you think, like, is it worth it? We've got a good couple of years now, a good couple of decades to show that, you know, if you go out on a limb on this thing and go against what actually is right, what is the best for your race, it's never worth it. It's just <laughs> never, ever worth it. So why bother? Like, this whole kind of, even if it is that rhetoric where he's thinking like, you know, the law is pure and, you know, do you know what I mean? And all this kind of stuff and he's going down that route. Still, it's not worth yeah. it. It's still not worth it. But then just take yourself out of the equation. Let someone else do it. You cannot be in that position and not know the impact of your race there. What? <laughs> if Daniel was like, okay, Auntie Shade, well, what, job, what job should I take then? <laughs> like, where would you go? Any, any job. Any any friggin' job, that's the thing, like, you can actually live your life almost without, not mixing, but like, letting other people affect you, but that works the other way. You can be the same lawyer in the black community. You could do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to have that. You know, I think we talked about this um, when we was talking about um, Jaguar Wright as well, kind of thing. It's just like, at what cost? Your success, your individual success, at what cost? This is why I, I swear to God, I don't like people in general because they're selfish and mean. They are selfish and mean. This guy is a selfish guy. He's put in his career, his, his stature, his personal legacy first. Do you know what I mean? And he doesn't care about Breonna Taylor. He doesn't care about the average black person. He doesn't care about us. It doesn't cross his mind in his actions. And to be used as a puppet in this way, and maybe even to enjoy being a puppet in this way. Imagine. I can't, I cannot, I just, I hate people. I'm going to go that I hate people like that. I hate them. They have no integrity, no morals. Like they're lost. They're, they're soulless as far as I'm concerned. And if, and sorry, and if they were challenged, you see how quickly their points would fall apart as well. And right. they, they, they keep themselves away from people like us, for example, because the argument wouldn't it would be a straw man argument. 100. So they stay in their bubble mm. where everything aligns with what they think. Mm. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's all he's doing. He's calling out Tamika. And it's like, do you know what I mean? You're adding fuel to the fire. Like, really? Is this what you should be doing as a black man in this current climate today? So this is just about universities, the COVID lockdown, the poor damn students are being blamed left, right and centre. There's outbreaks of COVID in universities. However, 
what the problem is, is that students were told to come back to uni, those who are in halls, in, in unis out of London, let's say, and yet then now they're being told that they potentially might not be able to come back to homes for Christmas, and they're not allowed to move outside of their assigned bubbles. And there's, I saw one account where one girl was like, you know, I'm in a bubble with people that I don't like, I'm rooming with people that I don't like, and I can't go anywhere. So this is going to take toll, and you know young people already, it's going to take toll on their mental health and all that type of stuff. Um, so it's just a lot of confusion about the poor uni students. And there's also this thing about why were they told to come back? Because there's a, like the money chain in it, because obviously people are, it's their business that they're looking for. It's a pretty straightforward story, but I was going to ask, would you let your uni student in your family come home for Christmas? It's a silly question, but, you know, because on the back of it, it's like, what do you do? Yeah, I know it's a silly, <laughs> it's a silly question, but yes. I didn't question because it's just stupid. The whole situation is stupid. I just, maybe how, would, how, how should the government handle it? What should, what should they just let everyone come home or what? It just goes down to, again, they don't know what they're doing because all they, they're finger pointing constantly. They're mm. constantly blaming one group over another group. First, it was all the BAME people. Now it's all the young people. Then it was all the people that went out to eat. Then it was all the people that went out to the pubs. And it was like, the thing is, if they really wanted to shut down the spread of stuff, they would just lock us all down. And I'm not saying that that's what I want, but that's what they would do. But they're not. It's like you can go to the pub, but you have to finish at 10 p.m. So what do they <laughs> think is going to happen? Everyone's going to run to the pub and the pubs are going to be heaving because the rule of six doesn't really mean anything because the rule of six is just you six and then you six and then you six. It doesn't mean anything. So, yes, I would let my uni student come home, bomb the government. They don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah, I think it's, it's a personal choice. You need to know the makeup of your family. Do you know what I mean? Like, if there's anyone at risk, I don't think the government should tell them what to do mm. in that sense kind of thing. It's, I think it's personal choice. And I think people are, you know, there's enough who are actually confusing information, but they can make informed decisions about the younger people in their family. But it just doesn't make sense because the whole thing was just like, oh, because, you know, grandparents and, are at risk. But grandparents are, giving child, are allowed to do childcare anyway so it just doesn't make sense at all and I think they're just putting out these measures or messages and and some of them I think actually do come from the media not necessarily government to Mm. say you know to sensationalize but it's just like it's all well and good bringing that out but like how does it affect everything else you said do you know what I mean I just don't think they're doing their due diligence in that respect so I get it but like we're kind of past that now there's been so much mixing anyway do you know what I mean we're just past it and really and truly there's no vaccine not to say that I would necessarily take it but there's no vaccine so it's not going to stop anyway that seems to be the exercise at this moment it's just to kind of get people up in arms to be really angry and they may be able to come home anyway or they could just come home now if they wanted to but I just feel like this is always it's to stir up a whole load of emotion and it may not happen. And we've had that time and time again, like a news story that just gets everybody in a panic and a frenzy. The fact that before I left, the shelves were getting empty in the supermarkets, like people were already panic buying. And it's just yeah. like, everybody's just being played. That's precisely what it feels like. It feels like nobody really knows how susceptible they are to it. There's no clear indications of how it's spread. Now I'm hearing stories of it's actually more contagious inside a house or an enclosed space, but then you wanted people to go back to work. It's just like, nah, I don't know what they're doing or what, I just think everybody needs to just be as cautious as you feel to be and go about your business because they're not helping in any way. They don't know. They don't know what it is. They don't know what's going on. 
and it just feels um, pointless to be in a frenzy about things and to really take it seriously. It's just very sad for some of the, you know, because young people take things on and make it seem bigger and they get more stressed about it. And especially for those who feel like they can't leave and they're with people that they don't like, that's, it's just grounds for all sorts of nonsense to happen in those spaces. Um, and yeah, I think they should be allowed to come home if they so want because classes, I think someone was saying that classes are available online. So why have we, why have we been told to come back to uni? So this yeah. is where the money bit comes in. And again, it's the selfishness of governments and politicians, just like it's knee jerk reactions to the, econ the failing economy, but just, Leave the kids out of it. Leave everybody out of it, to be honest. Leave everybody out of it. Nigel has just put a really good point. So he's put, it's mad. They let over half a million people just migrate all over the country. A group who have shown to be the least cooperative to the measures as a whole. They have been fed the line that they, they are the least affected. So have gone about their business as such. Any thoughts on the rents and money students are locked into, even though they may not be spending any real time in uni? It's really out of order because... As a landlord, you're not going to be like, oh, because you guys are going home, I'm dropping your rent. You, did, you have to pay all of that. And your school fees are ridiculous anyway. Give them their money back, man. Seriously. It's di diabolical. <laughs> to <be honest. laughs> I mean, to be told, yeah, okay, you're the least affected. Like, just the whole process. You're the least affected. Going to universities, to having to go through, like, your grades not being um, necessarily corrected, then getting your place being told go to university only to be told if you go there you're going to be stuck there what the hell man especially people from you know any kind of like cultural backgrounds university can be a massive culture shock and my advice honestly if you can just go back home for now and then um try and fight to get your money back also i think school fees they should be dropped as well especially if they're doing um the classes online is totally unfair to be paying that amount of money and you're not even seeing people face to face like if yeah. it's yeah online it should be a reduced fee and they need to adjust the fact is universities are dying to be honest and i don't know if they can survive with if this kind of continues and also without international students either imagine you're an international student and they're talking about you can't even go anywhere nah, it's out of order government's got a lot to answer for the Office for Students, the watchdog for higher education in England, indicated that universities would have to seriously consider requests for a partial refund, partial, and must not adopt a blanket policy that refunds are not available. Uh, Manchester Met, Met U has offered a two-week rent rebate and £50 supermarket voucher <laughs> for students in two halls of residence affected by outbreaks. I mean, it's, it's a mockery, right? It's like 10%. Like, when is 10% discount ever good? Like, £50, <laughs> voucher, £50 voucher. Like, on. and two weeks re rebate. What is two weeks rebate going to do for the whole duration that you're supposed to be in uni if you can't get it? Yeah, the government needs to step in again. And, um, yeah, waiver fees. Why are you charging people when it's online? Okay, all right. So, th this ties in nicely with what's been going around in my mind. So, it's, it's on racism. Blanket title would be that I'm seeing um, racism as a bit of a, a big red herring for a bigger plan. So I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist, but let's take Brianna Taylor's. It feels to me like they use the kind of black angle to remove the power that the police have and it's being unchecked. Like they're making it like this is a black issue and black people have then followed in line with it and taken it on like it's a black issue when it's more of a power issue. Then they double down on this notion that it's a black issue by charging a lesser crime on the bullets 
that went to the White House, even though there was a black house that also had bullets in their walls and that hasn't been charged for that. It's like there's a, a trickling of let's make this a black thing. So then other races don't think that this concerns them when really it's about creating really clear lines, like almost like my mind jumped to Nazi Germany. You back everybody away from this troubled set of people. Like they're really troubled and it's their problem. And then before you know it, it becomes everybody's problem. But you haven't seen how you could have changed the power dynamics. Like literally it seems like there's a set of psychopaths and they just want to rule over all humans, but it will become so far along because everybody was seen as a black issue when it's not a black issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. I kind of hear what you're saying. I thought that about some, I can't, I wish I could remember, maybe it will come to me as we talk, but there was something that happened and it might've been Bionna Taylor. It might've been the policeman that got shot in Croydon. It was something. And for a moment I was like, all these things that happen and we react because they're framed as, or they are targeting us anyway, Mm -hmm. we react. And then as you said, people disassociate themselves from the cause or white people or the people who feel that they're not affected by this disassociate themselves from the cause and say it's that problem over there and how when because I think it was oh something about and it's like the timing of all these things that are happening when it's a vote apart from now Trump's tax returns situation just prior to that I was like the marches and everything is going to stoke up the Trump supporters and then have them double down on whatever they believe in. But then at the, my crossroads is that why then we can't then just say, it's okay, let's wait till after the polls and then react to all the shit that's happening because there is stuff that's happening. I definitely think we're being manipulated to lean into the race war shit that they want to happen because they know by triggering race, race is the easiest thing to trigger apart from manipulating poverty and stuff like that. Race is easy. People are angry and like, are living side by side with tensions. So that's the easiest thing to erupt. They always, they've been threatening race wars for so long. And yeah. the more you hear about race wars, then you start, oh, a race war's coming, race are coming. Oh, here's a race war. So I definitely think we're being manipulated. I don't think there's, I don't think it's lies. A lot of people say when you lay out the stats and facts when it comes to um, people being shot by police and killed by police, because white people are so-called in the majority in certain countries or certain continent in certain countries, then by proxy, they are more killed in these situations. However, us proportion, in, in our proportions, though we're lower proportion to the society, we are killed a lot more in our because we're less numbered. Do you get what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. So, but it's just go back to that. We are being manipulated. They're pushing our causes to the front so they can usher stuff in behind. They're playing us for fools, as proven with the Cambridge Analytica stuff. I wish, and this goes back to the Cunary talk, that we as black folks understand how powerful we are. And they've done such a number on us, on most, on a lot of us, to misunderstand that and not really be in touch with our inner power and how powerful we are because we don't believe it and we don't know how easy how what if we were to be united how the whole world would be a whole different place so if i put my conspiracy hat on <laughs> really on then you could say that what is happening is almost like preparation for a civil war mm-hmm. where you know citizens like if we look in, looking at the states citizens are arming themselves they're disassociating themselves with the issue they're uprising people do you know what I mean? You've got a prominent leader. Your leader is kind of like siding or referencing um, certain political beliefs. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think he even referenced himself to the Boston Tea Party. 
in yeah, when yeah. he was talking about his uh, taxes. It's just like bloody hell. And then obviously the Boston Tea Party was the catalyst of the Civil War, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, like, what are you actually saying? And I think there is like this, there is a theory out there that basically, you know, there are some people who believe that the president should be protected at all costs. And, you know, they also believe that, you know, in white superiority, they also believe that, you know, that the population of white people is going down. And, you know, they believe that things like abortion should be illegal. So then when you see Trump's pick for, you know, the Supreme um, Court Justice, I can't remember her name now, but, you know, she's from a questionable group. She's from this group that, you know, don't believe in abortion. They're very kind of like deeply, they have problematic views that are not in line with, with what the average American thinks at the moment. You can be forgiven for thinking like, what the hell is going on? Like, are we in the lead up to the handmaiden's tell, as you guys are telling me and scaring the hell out of me? I think it's all about, you know, if this is going on, let me just say that. Like, it's all about power and the people at the top, they don't care. So ultimately, this is just, this could be seen as a distraction because yeah. really and truly, like, even with coronavirus, where's everything that's about, you know, oh, black people dying more, do you know what I mean? All this kind of stuff. Exactly. And that's kind of disappeared. That's not exactly. new movie anymore. And now the numbers aren't going down. Do you know what I mean? It can't just be within the black community. It has to be outside. So they, my point is there is they don't care about anyone. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? Like ultimately, like this whole thing is, is a, it could be used as a distractive method to keep the people who want to be in power, who want to continue and believe in white supremacy to stay where they are. There's too many shows, there's too many mainstream shows at the moment that follow this line. <laughs> this line, like Watchmen as well, classic example, just won 11 M Emmys. It's not so hard to believe. It's just not in our interest to follow these people at all. But that's in everybody. Hopefully, uh, you know, my tin hat isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think everyone needs to have a little tin hat every now and again. It's just how often you wear it. That's all. I think that, Auntie Nana, you are right. And sometimes they do make things seem more of a black issue so that the rest of the world don't necessarily focus on it. Oh, it's nothing to do with us. Like, we've said it so many times here that um, people only care about things that they're directly affected by. I think the thing with um, George Floyd is that it, the way that it was filmed and the whole, the length of time that it was and how much media, media attention it got, there was no question about what he had done before. Like, you know, with Breonna Taylor, people are saying, oh, well, her boyfriend shot first. He's in his house. They, you know, but they, they don't get that information. With George Floyd, it's in your face. You can see. They don't get the information about Breonna Taylor and, and why her boyfriend did what he did. And they don't get the information about, or they don't care about the information about the fact that she worked as a, you know, in healthcare and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. With George Floyd, it was in their face, so they had to focus on it. So that's why there was such that outrage, because everyone could see there's no hiding that. So I think that kind of aids in uh, the focus of these things. In terms of conspiracy theories and Trump and all of that stuff, again, I just feel like his people are very aware of what they're doing at all times. That's it. He's not the first. He won't be the last. It's, a, it's a, this set of people, and it's, it's the same over here. You get the same set of people becoming prime minister. They all go to school with each other. They all go to university with each other. 
they're all part of that clique. So you're always going to get the same people coming through. It doesn't happen very often that you get people that aren't, that aren't from that background coming through. And when they are, we get the, what did we just talk about a little while ago? The coons. So I don't know. That's, that's a long winded way of saying <laughs> conspiracy theories are real. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like even um, George Floyd and that situation, as I was going deeper down the rabbit hole with this theory of like the way this has been laid out this year, then I was thinking, yeah, that's also a part of it. Cause it's still like, it's a black thing. It just felt like actually this feels like they're really banging down on black oppression and we're soaking it in like things are going to change, but also at a point they seem to blame us for things. So I'm not, I wasn't there at Croydon, but that, story to me felt like the same thing like how does and we know he's Asian and this whole thing of trying to not talk about his race just felt like you're this is the same shit and it's not going to be the policemen that were with him who didn't search him properly if that even happened like he wasn't searched properly who knows but it feels like it's going to come down on the people somehow the people are probably going to have to follow some type of penalization for a policeman not finding the gun somehow that's going to affect us and it just feels like a really like we're going down the road of a real a real real them and us and we're all going to be looking at each other like how did we not see it but because we're infighting around blackness and focusing on that we're not going to see how they're really creating a, a, a society where there's going to be such a small amount of people who have absolute total domination over us. And then we're going to all wake up like, shit, oh, it wasn't black people. It was all of us. It just That's feels like this could happen. Like, really, really could happen. I think but it is like The Handmaid's Tale. Because, the yeah. thing, because <laughs> if you think about it, and just like with anything that's been done throughout history, it doesn't happen overnight. No. It's slowly, yeah. you know. It's slow, even when they took all the Africans from Africa, they didn't just rock up straight away and take, put them on a ship. That's not what happened. It, like, they infiltrated. When they went to the Americas, when they discovered the Americas, they didn't slaughter the Native Americans straight away. They infiltrated. It's slowly. So you're absolutely right. We're going to wake up one day and be like, shit, it's happened. It wasn't, <laughs> it's it, happening. wasn't, it wasn't race. Literally, that's how I feel. Like, we're all going to be like, ah, oh, it wasn't yeah. race. It's and money and power. It just kind of goes back to Daniel as well. He's part of the problem. Yeah. These things help that kind of, is it totalitarianism? Is that what it is? It helps that happen. When are we going to wake up? (laughs) It's like, stop allowing yourself to be used. Just stop it. Because actually, you're not just doing harm to our community. You're doing harm to humanity in its entirety. It's just... But it's like you said before, these people don't care about anyone other than themselves. That's why, th- that's why this happens. Because yeah. if they had the sense of others and, you know, any kind of empathy, they wouldn't do it. They don't have that at all. So they're able to just be tunnel visioned and just have their own scenario. And that is it. Yeah. That's, why, that's why they're so easy for, you know, white society to find these people and to put them into these platforms because they can be so easily manipulated because they don't care about their families. They don't care about their communities. And when you don't care about anything else, you'll do whatever. You'll walk over your granny. Sell her. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's you'll it. sell your granny <laughs> in the house that she lives in. The, the girl that I was talking about, 
I don't even really want to give her props, but she's called Esther K. So if you see her, Casa, she's <laughs> positioned herself as a new um, UK's um, Candace Owens. And it's, it's. What can she possibly say? She just, she was calling oh, out. Oh, I've seen her. She's, and she, she, she counters called, everything. Yeah, she called, she called out Don Butler saying Don Butler's stoking race wars and all that stuff and she's um she actually is backing lawrence fox's new party reclaim on her tweet she's on a more positive note i wish loza fox new party reclaim all the best god knows we need some new blood in our politics uh, across the board then to counter that if this is what we know is happening we will watch the matrix we watch total recall there's all the films in all the world that show what it's like mm. when we're in uh, a totalitarian existence when we're all in you know one one group's on mars fighting to for air and then the other groups on whatever sitting lovishly in all the it's just it's we've seen the hunger games all the films everything has been so we've got all the blueprints we've got all the manuals but yet we're ignoring it so how do we separate ourselves from this how do you stop the wheel how do you get off the train and go underground it's just it's just i because one day we are going to wake up and it's going to be probably us like in a bunker with <laughs> rebels <laughs> And being drawn into war with the freaking rulers in their, in, you know, who are floating around in their silver floating ships and just shooting us with fucking laser guns. I just don't, I get, we've got the blueprint. And the handmaid, and, uh, sorry, um, 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 Auntie Sade, the woman's Amy Conan Barrett, Coney Barrett, and it's people, people of praise. They were only called, hand, they stopped calling themselves handmaids just because Handmaid's Tale was released. They were calling themselves handmaids. Yeah. Wow. Handmaids. Yeah, when I tell you Handmaid's real, that's what, it's a, you can watch horrors all day long. Handmaid's Tale, watch, that's a fucking That's horror. the thing to watch. That, that is, is a horror. horror. It sounds like it's so possible. And it's, the thing is, it's just like, even with the money thing that, that's in it, right? So you don't have money, physical money anymore. So you exactly. only have like, a few account. Like even during coronavirus, yeah, to put money in someone's account, you can't do that anymore. What? That's what... <laughs> <laughs> that's wild don't forget places aren't taking cash anymore yeah they're right. not taking cash. it's very rare that you'll go somewhere and they take cash <laughs> and imagine listen when you're from say your postcode you want you want these our, our youths we're going to try and save our youths here you're fighting over postcode wars when your postcode that you've been fighting for they're like uh, your chip you go and pave something with your arm oh no you're in that um <laughs> district, <laughs> <Your> district <laughs> right you're a fucking district, no, no, no grains or whatever. <laughs> uh, swipe, okay, I got, I got West London, yeah, okay, so I might get a few more things in my little package every month. And they might want to know the district of your parents. That's what I'm saying. Aren't we in that now? We're in that now. Some people can travel, some people can't travel. Some people have to get in a boat to travel anywhere. Like, it's just like, actually, we're in it. So... So it's when not they start selling us time and you right. have to purchase time or you're going to be frozen, yeah. I don't think we're too far from that. Because uh, in Greece, I can't, I can't drink water from the tap. I have to purchase it. Yes. So and we're used to paying for water now. Water and natural resource, we are all yeah. paying for it. If they yeah. want to start selling us air, we're just going to be like, oh, but the yeah. air is so dirty, we have to purchase air from them. Who yeah. made the air dirty? And who made the water dirty? <laughs> What's that? Um... <laughs> Oh, the Hoosville. Hoosville. That's where they have to purchase air, isn't it? It's going to happen. And we'll just go along with it. Okay. There's 511 shows that we can watch <laughs> and films that we can watch that will prepare us. But if it's not a race war, which we understand, it's not even about race. It isn't. It, they make it about race. It's not about race. 
however then so what what do we do I don't know. That's, that's, why, that's why I wanted to bring it to you guys because it had been running through my mind and I felt like I was going mad. Like, what do we do? But I don't know. Prepare yourself. You need a getaway bag. <laughs> you, need, you need more than a bag. Yeah, you need skills. Like, you need to be able to, like, yeah. be able to grow stuff, <laughs> be able to teach stuff. Ultimately, you still need those foundationals. How would I be able to survive if I didn't have the internet? if I didn't have electricity and those kind of things, like, because the dependency on those things is what keeps you. Yes. Under the, the, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So you kind of need to, if, once you come out of that system, but then it is matrix, isn't it? It, it is. Once you come out of the system, then you can see, you can truly see things for what it is. Sorry, what matrix is it? Matrix, is it there's four matrix, right? Yeah. Matrix one is the only good one. No, but my point is, Matrix yeah. three, I think I saw in the cinema, and you know the most frightening scene is when we saw all the robots looking like beetles coming. Oh into, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like going yeah. ready for war. It's I, I see this. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play anyway. We need to move on. <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. I mean, we 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 can come back to this every so often, and maybe yeah. we we'll all have new theories of how we can guys watching and listening can you please let us know how you will survive with, without the internet and that's what it is what's your survival tactics give us that Nigel Mark said but he was responding to something but the handmaid's tale is to staying like 1984 yeah the yes. people have been warning us for in literature for ages and yeah they do though in literature they will they give us warnings most definitely ahead of the time that's that but they say that about film though isn't it if you want yeah. to get a message to the masses then write a film so that's yeah. why i don't think that they can't do things that uh, you watch on tv they can they're doing it already yeah, yeah but you need the counter though right so you need to i don't know like i, I think like what you were saying so i know we need to move on but what you were saying about the um the social media how it has a 20 percent impact so you, the other parties need to they need to counter that do you know what I mean? So they get their twenty percent impact as well. So it's yeah. just about who you target. So I don't know. It feels like the Avengers. We're in a battle of good and evil, man. From <laughs> day one. And yeah, that's yeah, part, yeah. Sorry, we've got to move on. And that's the part that's annoying. Like we literally, it's just all game. You know when it's like even the, like the people in power. That's what I think we've asked it before. You're in power. Do you not care? Like you've got your cronies are all decrepit, holding on to power. Isn't that boring? <laughs> Isn't it even boring? Maybe that's what they survive on. Because I even. Because even, um, sorry, Tanqueray, in her stories, um, please go and read it on Instagram, she was saying that um, uh, all the mobsters, all the mo Italian mobsters in her time, obviously it's anecdotal, the mobsters had black wives on the side, like black girlfriends yeah. on the side. They had their mob families, their, their mob wife, they had a black girl on the side. So you need a bit of fun. You've got all this power and this structure, and it's imp but you need a little bit of fun on the side. So all you rich people at the top, all this kind of, you know, me and my cronies are rich, but then we'd still want to come down into the dumps. And so why do you want to have decrepit, Ill, unhealthy side pieces? Wouldn't you want your side pieces to be handmade? <laughs> Again, where did they go? They had a little place, didn't they, in handmade? Yeah. They had a little... Yeah, they had that... Ex exactly. You know? So they know they want those things, but yet they pretend they got... It's just... Anyway, we need to move on. Okay, aunties, aunties... We'll come back again. Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. Who's got a dilemma? Um, I have one. 
ahead. It's one that was told to me. So uh, there are two sisters and they are very close in age. Uh, they're a year apart. And the younger sister, so they both live at home. The younger sister is having older issues with the older sister because the older sister doesn't drive. <laughs> she doesn't have a job. And the younger sister is having to drive their parents around and she has to pay bills and she's stressing and she's like, she wants to confront her older sister, but she's been raised to, you know, respect your elders and all of that stuff. So she doesn't quite know how to approach it. Their parents are elderly. I forgot to say that. And everybody's at home. They all live with yes, their parents. They all, live, they all live with their parents. And the younger sister's feeling the pressure because everything's on her. But she, and she wants to tell her older sister, but because it's this whole respect your elders kind of stuff, she doesn't know how to approach it gotta have a conversation start there have a conversation <laughs> with her i mean maybe she could talk to the parents call a family meeting and just kind of maybe list out what all the things that need to be done i think it's good to be honest you know you can be vulnerable with your family do you know what i mean because we i'm feeling overwhelmed all these are all the things that need to be done like can we share this out amongst everybody in the family or see even if there's any extended family that can maybe help as well kind of thing if you have an open conversation with everybody Providing they've got the right setting, then maybe the older sister won't feel so attacked as well, kind of thing, because that could be a thing. Maybe she's not mentally in the right place to be able to help. So yeah, just either have like a group setting conversation, maybe test it out with the parents, see if they, you know, what their feelings are on everything. Yeah, it's a conversation. Depending on the whole family dynamic and really the elder sister's mental health, maybe having somebody else there, maybe like an auntie that like is really even tempered and so it won't go haywire have that person in to maybe mediate on how skills can be shared out and I mean families are like that my sister did a lot when I was a kid like she basically carried like quite a lot of the load with my mum and I can imagine she probably would have been more like I would have been more fair if I had help as well. I think you have to have a conversation just so that it doesn't go years of somebody who you just take for granted that they have it sorted. You have to speak up for yourself and say, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need your help in these types of situations, bearing in mind that really the sister has more time because she's not working. So all of the home stuff she should be doing, she should be doing all the cooking, cleaning, like there's stuff that you can still do. So, but maybe she hasn't thought about it because the younger sister is a Mary do everything and actually has placed herself in martyr role and just does everything without saying I need help. So then after a while you become lazy and you expect Mary does everything to do everything. Now is the time to kind of sit down and also take some responsibility. People treat you how you allow them to treat you. So now it's time to actually be like, okay, I'm overwhelmed, I can't do this, and talk about it. Don't think that somebody is sitting there watching you, feeling sorry for you, because they're not. They're thinking, can you move out of the way so I can watch TV while you clean up? Like, you know, shit happens. And I said, it's always the expectation that the older one will be the one that takes the lead and the younger one will follow suit. So it's, again, a bit of role reversal. The older sibling might be going through something, might have stuff going on that's prohibiting her from taking that leadership role. Um, whether that's you're supposed to, whether you're the oldest, I don't know, but uh, it's just an obvious position that the, the oldest takes. Yeah, it's a conversation. So when you're saying the parents are elderly, are they elderly and healthy or elderly and not well? And so then maybe they can't even contribute to that discussion anyway. So it would then take alter a senior family member from outside 
And I was also going to suggest maybe an auntie or someone that can be a mediator to have that conversation. Um, but this means that the sisters aren't as, that close or unless there's that kind of hierarchy where she feels she can't say anything because the sister is older. You know, some families have real strong traditional rules of how you speak to the older people in your family. So yeah, either get help from outside family members to have this conversation, talk to your sister directly. And if your parents aren't ill or in a way that they can't intervene, then maybe go to one of your parents and just say, look, I'm feeling a bit like this, that and the other. Yeah, I don't think there's much more we can say to that. We have a message from Michelle Lewis saying they've enabled her and her laziness too long. If things don't change and quick, the younger sister will be too overwhelmed and could end up leaving or mentally challenged. And it can be that real. If they don't listen to her, <laughs> then she should stop doing stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Also, yeah, because sometimes you do everything. People feel like oh, that stuff doesn't need to be done. You'll see how quickly people pick up themselves and start getting on with things when you, things just get stopped because you have to, survival mode kicks in and everyone's like, oh shoot, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And you might not even have to be a conversation, you could just stop. But if it, again, it obviously is that, it's that feeling responsible for your parents. So you're like, oh, I don't want to stop doing this with mom and dad. But what happens if you leave mom and dad without, oh, that sounds a bit mad without food. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit much of an experiment, but you know. We <laughs> find out whether the parents are sick or not. Like, please don't go and stop their medication or whatever out of being stubborn. <laughs> um, I've got a dilemma. So it's a, a father and his baby mother has a child two years younger than his son that he had with her. And that son, the second son, he's not in contact with his dad. So the first baby father has taken on the second one, not officially, like this is my child, but whenever every weekend he picks up his son, he takes the younger one. Um, He was going away. So he decided, I just want time with my son while I go away because I'm not going to see him for three weeks. He was doing business. And he didn't take the second son, but he was picking up his son from the grandmother. So the mother wasn't there. She comes home and the second son is still there. So she bells him and is like, bring back the first child. You can't separate them. Like, this isn't fair. Bring back my child. So he does take back his son and it was on reflection, he was asking in a father's group, did I do something wrong? Any advice? Mm. Uh, um, I think this is slightly similar to the problem before, where you set a precedent of something. Now, in bare, min- bare facts, he can do what he wants with his son, because that's his son. And his son, in theory, should come first. However, there's a little gray area. If he set the precedent where he's taken both of them on board and then one day he decides to split it up without there being a clear understanding. I mean, not to say like, this is my real son and you're my second son that I'm taking on as my own. So, but just realize I'm not your dad. You're not going to do that to a child. So if there's this just blanket understanding that this is pops to both of them, that one day of taking that, the biological child away to do something special with them, if the second child is not given clear understanding of why that's happening, that is a problem. However, the mother could have let the child continue in that situation, speak to the father and just say, listen, this is what we've been doing for this long. So now for you to switch up quite abruptly, I'm not happy with. So can we have a conversation about how we go forward? So again, it's always down to communication. He didn't do anything wrong, but it could be seen as wrong because the second child 
might feel some type of way. And that's down to something that they've set in place that's not been defined, I would say. So I agree with what you said. However, why does she need to tell him, bring back my kid? That's what I'm saying. I said she shouldn't have said that. Communication is key. If he's been treating the other child almost like it's his child, and then he takes his biological son and leaves the other son without there being some sort of communication, because clearly the baby mother thought that he was collecting them both by the sounds of it. Yeah. Communication is key. However, she's not helping the situation by saying, bring back my kid. Yeah. What's that about? He doesn't have to take your other son. It's your son. But yes, he should communicate to you because I'm assuming that's what he's done thus far. He's communicated with her every time he's taken the other child. Mm. So there should be some communication, but it's not helping the situation by her saying, bring back my other kid. Because then what are you going to do? You're going to be one of those mums that, well, if you don't take them both, you can't see any of them. You can't see your son. If you don't take my other son, you can't see your son. Is she going to go down that road? But what she should have done is rang him and said, when you bring so-and-so back, can we sit down and have a talk about it? Because clearly... I've assumed that you're going to do this with both of them. And if that's not the case, that is totally fine. He's not your responsibility, but maybe we should talk about it so that I can tell him what the situation is. And that is that. That other kid is not his responsibility. They're not together. It's not like they weren't together and they got back together. They're not together. I think she's out of order, to be honest. (laughs) Honestly, obviously we live in a society where focus is on the mother isn't it do you know what I mean especially when a family breaks down it's, it's everything is geared towards the mother and fathers don't have the same rights in general but there's a perception as well kind of thing that what the mother says is, is law so I think that she's used that authority to basically demand that he bring back the other child if there's no court injunction they've got an agreement the child is healthy in a safe place he's not at risk there was no reason to bring him back other than to save the peace because the mother might, might have caught, kicked up a fuss. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That is the only reason why he's done that. And she should be happy that he's the type of man that's going to even entertain that in the first place anyway. Because those are the little things that a lot of man, men suffer from and then they start doing a madness. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. mean? Because actually, really and truly, you're not in your right. He's Like Auntie um, Flora is saying... Under absolutely no obligation to take the other son he's, he's, because that's your son not his so and 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 i think that uh, in these situations there's just a, a lot of mothers out there not everyone there's a lot of mothers out there that are not completely honest with their children don't know how to um have the communication that okay just because your dad isn't around doesn't mean you're not loved all that kind of stuff this is Thingy's dad. He's going to take you for this day. Do you know what I mean? But there's going to be times where he's just going to take Thingy because that's his son. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, there's nothing wrong with having those conversations. But I think there's this, this big fear if you have those conversations, one child's going to feel left out. I know it sounds harsh, but it's kind of down to you as the mother to make sure that the other child is nurtured. Mm-hmm. That's not his responsibility. It isn't. It's not his son. He's not legally responsible. Also, as well, if he took both of the children and something happened to the other son, that's not <laughs> what's going to happen then? Do you know what I mean? Like, then he's like, nah. So just be, I think people just need to be a bit mindful um, how they're treating the father of their children, especially when they've got additional children too. I think they need to be more mindful and more considerate about what they're demanding of them. I don't think he's done anything wrong what I would say is like, clearly there's a, like Auntie AK saying is clearly there's a communication issue there. And, but maybe he needs to set what the president should be. 
you know what I mean? He needs to set like what his expectation is and say like, look, there's going to be times when I just want to take my son and not your son as well. There's, he's under no obligation to have them together. It's a privilege, isn't it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's not his responsibility and he shouldn't be made to feel like it's his responsibility either. Uh, we have quite a few messages. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nigel Mark has said, precedent has been set, however, she needed more tact. Mm-hmm. Michelle Lewis has said, the mother is wrong. Children can't be used as pawns. The mother is childish and her actions are selfish. And then she's, I think it was somebody's point. No, you are wrong. The father has equal rights, especially if his name is on the birth certificate. I guess that's debatable. Um, And it's a perfect time for the mother to spend quality time with her son. Exactly. You get into situations and you fall into the flow of things and no one says anything. No one sets their boundaries. And then you wake up and realise, oh shit, this doesn't work. And that's when you haven't had that conversation. And then it's all shocking to everybody and then you have to reset. I mean, this is easy, was easily resolved if these two people are willing to put the children first and put their egos aside. I, I was thinking like the mother was just totally in shame. Just that really it's like you're being confronted with, you have one big, big father that is like looking after his son and you have another one that went about his business for whatever reason and you don't want to confront that. So it was very easy when the first one was taking your second child because then it's like, oh, he has a dad. Mm. When really all he's shown is you, you have to deal with this. Like you have to actually, and as Auntie Sade said, you have to nurture your second son because mm. he doesn't have his own father there. Like he has somebody else that is prepared to kind of take him on. I would say it's like a cousin fashion, you know, like yeah. you don't go everywhere your cousins go. Yeah. But it's cool when your uncle brings you in a bit. Like it's, it, he doesn't have the same obligations and yeah you have no right to blow up on somebody when they actually have been doing your child a solid yeah your created family they've been like okay i'm prepared to work with this situation and it's not every day that he's going to want to do that but i get the the blow up i would just hope that the woman coming around to her senses would be like you know i'm sorry i reacted yeah in that way would have the emotional intelligence to do that and yeah. definitely loads of mothers, they do use their kids like pawns. I have two cousins at the moment who can't see their children, basically because they moved on. And we don't really talk about that enough. We go into the men that leave and there are quite a few fathers who actually really want to see their children. But the mother has given them that story that this is a whatless man and you're actually denying access. Definitely. That happens too far too much. That's happened with a good few people that I know in my life. They're good men that want to raise their children and be there because they're no longer in a relationship with the mother. I mean, I say it all the time. Sometimes people have difficulty separating their own relationship with the relationship between the child. And that cuts both ways. It's not just a man thing. It's a man and a woman thing. So, Dear aunties, (laughs) the other day... I was coming home from work and met um, this very dashing young lad, took my number, I took his, and throughout the conversation, we had like a couple of conversations, been really good, we were really connecting, but it's like on the third or fourth conversation, he revealed that he was only 28. I am in my late 30s, what do I do aunties? Do I pursue this or do I just jump <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> I would say go true. I'd say go true. I mean, how how old did you say that he was? Twenty-eight. And she's in her late thirties. Listen, like 10 years. I, yeah, I one of the most successful relationships that I know. Like my friend, there is a ten-year difference between her and her husband, and they've been married for over 12 years together for probably about 15, 16 years. It, it all depends on the person because you can be an older person and be very immature. or You could be a young person and be very mature. It depends on how they, you know, how they mesh really and truly. I would say just see what happens. Don't overthink it. Don't just, you know, don't be patronizing to his age. Just see what happens because you could date someone older all your age and they could be an idiot. So yeah. just go true, man. Just take your time. Don't overthink it. See what happens. What's, what's, what's the problem? <laughs> I don't think it's an issue at all. Like, it depends. Well, it's so early days. You don't even know if it's going to be serious. Do you know what I mean? So what's, yeah. I, I think it's overthinking. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. 10 years isn't that much. And in 10 years alone, he's going to be 38. You'll be 48. It's the same type of thing, really especially if he's a mature 28 and even if he isn't a mature 28 it's like just have some fun like connect with another human both of you are singles like see how it goes i don't think anybody should really put barriers in age unless the person is underage but if you're both of sound age <laughs> then you know it's like yeah you have a have a dalliance yeah man have some fun that was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.youraunties.couldnever at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. Let's go, Black in the Day. So, which kind of ties into the whole thing that we were just talking about. Someone was mentioning it to me the other day and it got me thinking. Um, can you remember your first date? You're all looking like you've never been on a date. I'm really trying to think. Okay, okay. Okay. You've been on a date. Even if it was just the date to the wedding, I'll. You went on a date. Okay, I'll go first. Go on then. You may have to. Here now. Because I saw the first time you gave blood. Um, <laughs> so my first date, I was 17 years old, because this is a proper date, not just like, you know. Actually, I was 16. He took me to the cinema and for McDonald's. And I'll never forget, because when he went into McDonald's, he fell down the stairs. It was funny. Oh my God. He went down the stairs. And I remember thinking, this is a guy who was trying to act like he was really cool, like he was a couple years older than me. And he was like really, really beautiful looking. And he's trying to act, as I said, all types of cool. And then he fell down the stairs in McDonald's and then got up really quickly and tried to act like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Poor guy. The only one I can remember from early years with the same guy. <laughs> I don't know experience we went for a picnic. That's so cute. Was cute. But I had to kind of like sneak out. <laughs> Was it a midnight picnic? No, no, no. Just because I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to go out with boys. Do you know okay. what I mean? So yeah. So just had to kind of sneak out and like. I remember I had to bring plates or something, so I had to like hide the plate. I remember just having to hide the plate so no one asks me where I'm going and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a bit of a weird one. But yeah, we just went to Brockwell Park and just had a little picnic there. That's pretty sweet. That's cute. 
it is. But I don't, I don't remember like day like going on like like when I was young. I didn't go like cinema, or, like, yeah, or restaurants. I didn't I, do that. Not when I was young. Yeah, restaurants. No, cinema. Yeah, cinema was standard. Like for ice cream. Mm-hmm. Let's go Hagen does. You know what? I used to go Chocadero. Chocadero! That's not a date though, is it? It's a date. A date is you arranged to meet with someone who you're seeing somewhere. You go out to the linking up. That's a date. Yeah, you link up. It's just because we're older now. To us, a date is you must go sit down and eat fancy food or go on experience. I think... I, I, I can't remember date. I, to be honest, I wasn't that girl. I was always kind of like, I didn't think, I don't even know when, yeah, like a proper boyfriend, I don't even know when that was. So I definitely didn't get asked out on dates and stuff. I remember there was a guy that chirped me in the morning and in the evening he was my boyfriend. And so <laughs> that... <laughs> and did you go somewhere with this guy? No, that's the thing. Um, okay. Then we broke up. So it was very stupid. <laughs> Um, I could, only date I can think of that was like formally. This is a date. It's really actually quite sad. I don't remember like the first date, but I know I remember being set up on a blind date and I couldn't stand the guy. So I remember I act because he was very cocky and I don't like cocky guys. And he, but he was cocky in a way that's like, you ain't got much going for you, but you're going on like you're bad. And I remember he was very much like women should be like this. And I think, yeah, when I was young, I was a lot more rowdy. So I used to swear a lot. And I think he kind of looked down on me swearing. And I remember him so I think I was a bit in my like uh, either late teens or very early 20s and I remember him, him kind of I don't know he was like yeah I really don't like when women swear so then I just switched and started to be really like yeah is it and like if in today's so I can't remember all the slang and stuff I would be like yeah bruv I would have started talking like that I just started exaggerating being more boyish and sitting and slouching and I remember when he was dropping me home he was like having this car wars with some guy. And I thought, no, you, I will never be able to be with you. Cause he was like looking at the car along. It's like, yeah, this man thinks he's bad luck, like, but I'm in this car. And I'm like, are you, do you realize that someone's next to you here in your <laughs> commentary, bigging yourself up? You don't realize that I'm here. You think that's impressing me? So that I, I can't stand that kind of braggadocio behavior. And he was like sitting in the car leaning. And I swear it's like, was it when he wanted to have the golfs and when, yeah. Sexy guys had goals in it. So, yeah, yeah. In the lean thing, I was like, oh, fuck off. Um, so <laughs> I, yeah, so that was, my, that was a blind date. I was like, you guys, and I was very angry with the girl that set me up. I was like, you, you know me, and you know that's not me, and you just tried it. There you go. That's my story. I just had uh, one date. It wasn't the first. I can't think of a first. It was probably just a link up. Now you're just younger, you just go to somebody's house. Probably mm-hmm. one of those was the first one. But this guy, it was after a jungle rave. And the guy that I gave my number to was not the person that turned up for the date in the cinema. <laughs> so, and I can, I know they were two different people, but it's junk, probably slightly drunk, but it wasn't the same person. The person I gave my number to, I'm sure, I, everybody always has to be taller than me. This dude that turned up was shorter than me and he was slightly plump. So I know I didn't give him my, my number, but he said I did. So we was committed to go to Swiss Cottage Cinema. So I went with him, although he was like about there, if I'm standing up, and very round. And I was sure the person I gave my number to was called Adrian, and this person was called George. Oh. So we've gone and watched whatever it was. And then afterwards, he's like, we're in Swiss Cottage, which is bait, because I live in Swiss Cottage. And obviously, I'm not supposed to be dating. And I could bump into my brother or one of his friends. So I was trying to walk like ahead of him. 
and he kept on being like, oh, no, like, let's walk together. And it was like, sidle up. Then I got to a point where it was like, okay, you can't take me any further because I'm really near my house. He's like, no, I'll come back to mine. And he lived in Edgware. He's like, we can just jump on a bus. And again, I was thinking, we can't both be carless. Like, this isn't really <laughs> going to work. And I was like, no, no, it was really nice meeting you. Thank you. And then as I'm walking, he was just like, so you just, you just used me for the cinema. And it was just oh. like, you're not even the person that I thought. But <laughs> it was such a dumb. And then he kept on calling me. Like on the house phone, because I was oh. editing mobile. So, yeah, George, if you ever see this, I haven't forgotten you, if that was even your name. And I definitely didn't give you my number. So that was one of the worst dates ever. Wow. Date from hell. Hey, I'm Auntie Shade. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. It's almost time to wrap up. Before we do, aunties, what's made you sad, mad or glad? I haven't been sad about anything. I've only been mad about Dr. Boyce Watkins pretending to be dumb and not understand what Trump is trying to do and just kind of buy the African-American vote. And I've just been thoroughly glad to be in Greece, in Santorini, just absolutely getting my life with my husband. Oh, shut up. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a lovely time. She's right there where we were. You're right there! I feel like that's yeah. my house and you've invaded like totally it. totally sunset view when the I sun's li- I literally out. feel like you've stolen my house. <laughs> <laughs> I am mad that Nana, Auntie Nana, is in Santorini and I am still at home, quarantined, with a swollen ankle, oh. still in pain, suffering from having fallen over in Santorini. I am glad that quarantine is nearly over and on Saturday, on Friday, I think, me and Auntie AK can venture out into the wide world again. Um, Although I don't think I can actually walk anywhere, but anyway. And what am I mad about? I don't know. I'm mad about the whole Breonna Taylor lack of justice. That's what I'm mad about. Okay, so I'm mad about Breonna Taylor as well. Literally real anger about that, actually. I don't think I'm really sad about anything um, right now, uh, but I'm glad about a couple of things. First of all, Emily Friday is doing an event on the 15th of October for Black History Month, so I'm really happy about that. And I watched The Boys. I finished that. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm actually annoyed that I finished it so quickly because I really want it to last. I really like it. And also, I watched Ratchet as well. I know this is like more TV yeah. But I watched Ratchet and it was, it scared me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm a yeah. cat, so I don't really like horrors and things like that. And parts of it were too gruesome. I couldn't look, watch it with my fingers. But yeah, but it was interesting. It was interesting. And I thought Sophie Okamodo, yeah. 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 Freaking amazing. I don't even know why she's not even on, you know, like the poster that shows. Yep. She's not even, like, she, yep. she's such a yep. big part of it. And it's yeah. so, she's so good. Yeah, so slept on, but yeah, um, yeah, that's me. I'm sad because, well, I'm not really, well, yeah, I'm sad because a part of history, Elephant and Castle uh, Shopping Centre has finally closed down and it's going to make, make way for new apartments and stuff. And it's a con- continuation of the regeneration and gentrification of London, the UK, I should say. So that's a bit sad. Lots of memories of um, Elephant and Castle. I went to uni there um, before that, mum going shopping in the market there and all that type of stuff. So yeah, that's a piece of... British history, that's going to be gone. Um, even though I did not like the pink elephant, but it is. And then they painted it red though, and I didn't like that. 
yeah, it's symbolic. It's like the cat in Catford, but whatever the case, it's a piece of history. And that's gone. So um, I'm mad about, what was I mad about? I think everything that's going on, all this stuff. Uh, there was something, oh, I forgot to write it down, it doesn't matter. And then I'm glad that I have two friends who finally listened to me and watched Succession. I've been spread, Succession is such a great series. Really? And two of my <laughs> friends who I've been talking, and they, we, we came up in our group chat, they pointed out that I've been talking about it since November last year, and they refused to listen to me, but now they have listened and they're like, oh my God. So I'm really happy about that. Um, so <laughs> it's very silly things to be glad about, but I'm just happy. And um, yeah, I think I'm just, glad because things are looking up yes so um have we introduced this already like oh we haven't actually so we got any should go on you introduce it right so basically um obviously we try and be as positive as possible in the show we share our opinions what we love all that good stuff but also we have to be realistic and understand that some people that we don't like we just don't like them at all and we need to put them somewhere and we've decided to put them on the list Okay, so I am doing the first entry, and I think it probably come as no surprise that Daniel Cameron is on the list. He is a coon. He needs to, I don't even know what he needs to do. He just needs to just go away. I think he's on the wrong side of history with this one. He's very being in that whole proceeding. A proceeding is just, um, just awful, and how he's come across is awful, and he is an, a black, anti-black man. And really, yes, he deserves to be on the list. Absolutely. And on that note, that's it from us. Thank you very much for watching, listening, and joining us for episode 30, guys. We're getting through them. And thank you guys for watching and supporting. Um, please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe, <laughs> rather. Um, and we'll be back next week with more Your Aunties Could Never. See you later. And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later. <laughs>